0: Welcome to the Lifting Lessons at Lunch, hosted by Calvary Baptist Church of Statham, Georgia. My name is Matt Dibler and I have the great privilege of pastoring Calvary Baptist Church. This podcast can be heard every Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock. And now here is our speaker for today. Hello and welcome to today's Lifting Lesson at Lunch. We're so thankful that you've taken time out of your day to join us as we study the Word of God. Today we're going to be continuing in our study at the beginning of this year through the book of Philippians. Today we're going to be through Philippians verse number 8 through verse number 11 in chapter number 1. So Philippians chapter 1 and we're going to start in verse number 8. Verse number 8. The Bible says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Now, as you know, Paul, he is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And throughout this book of Philippians, he, of course, he's in jail. He's in a Roman. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's got a Roman prisoner chained with him all the time. And as we've seen in the verses before, and as Brother Lindell shared with you yesterday, we see in the first seven verses the grace and the peace that he was offering to them and, and how he thanked God for them and how even in his circumstance that he faced he still had reason to rejoice. And of course, we're looking that uh, in chapter number one, how that no matter our circumstances, there is reason to rejoice. And Paul, as I had mentioned in our introduction uh, of the book of Philippians, how Paul, he is speaking of having the single mind in chapter number one. He's speaking of having the focus beyond the eternal and not the temporal. When we focus on the things of this world, our joy is going to fade quickly. But when we base our joy on the finished work and on the person of Jesus Christ, that wellspring of joy will never run dry. I'm reminded of the passage when Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman and he says that if you drink of this water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. And it's amazing to me how the joy and the peace and the grace and the mercy that God shows us, it is a wellspring that never runs dry. We never have to worry if when we go to the tap for some more, that there's not going to be any left. I'm thankful that we have a never-ending supply. And here in verses number 8 through 11, Paul, he is, he is giving them some things to, that he has a desire for them about. He desires two things here for them. First of all, we see Paul's desire. Paul's desire. He desired their welfare. He desired their welfare, and he desired their love to one another. Now, of course, we're going to look here. Verse number 8, the Bible says, For God is my record. Really, another way you could say this, I believe that the way it's said here is absolutely perfect. There's no improvement. But just for understanding's sake, you could say it as God is my witness. He is the witness to my case, if that makes sense. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. He is desiring their welfare here. If you remember, if you were to look in verse 28 of the book of Philippians chapter number one, you would see a reference to the persecution that the church at Philippi is facing. In the introduction, I mentioned that at the center of Macedonia, the capital of Macedonia really, is Philippi. And they were at the center of this Roman empire, at this Roman culture, and there is a church of a body of believers that are going through persecution. You see, what Paul is going through in Rome, they are going through in Philippi. And Paul, he's writing to them, just letting them know that he longs to see them He longs that their welfare would be good. And we see how he longs for them. And we see through whom he longs for them. Look here. He says that I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. The bowels, that is in reference to the heart and to the lung region. This is the strongest word that Paul could have used to show his affection towards them. He had a heart for them and he wanted to have a heart for them like Jesus Christ had a heart for them. Really, in a sense, you could say it like this. Paul, he was asking the Lord to pour into him, to pour into Paul that love that Jesus Christ had for him so that he could love them more and more and more. He knew what they were going through. He knew the persecution that they were facing because he, he he himself was facing persecution. And he was writing and telling them that even in this circumstance that you find yourself in, there's still reason to rejoice. And we can rejoice because not only is it Paul's desire, but this is amazing. When we read the Bible and we read, you know, Paul, he says this, this is through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is talking. The Holy Ghost, God the Father, God, he desires, he longs for us. He loves us in his heart. He loves us, and for that we can have joy no matter the circumstance. But Paul, he says in verse 8, he speaks of God being his witness and how he longs after them. Not only that, but secondly, in verses 9 through 11, we see Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer. Now, as we looked first at the love Paul had to him, and it, and it rotates into, it bleeds over into this prayer, I want to encourage you and challenge you with something. If you truly love somebody, you should pray for them. If you truly love someone, you should pray for them. Now, I wonder how many of us, we say we love you, we say the three words, I love you. Maybe it's to a parent. Maybe it's to your grandparents. Maybe it's to your grandchildren or to your children or to your friends or your coworkers or your spouse, whoever it may be. If you say that you love them, I believe that based on the word of God, that when we say we love them, that there should be a prayer that is said for them as well. Because if we truly love them, we'll pray for them. Look at verse number nine. And this I pray. Paul, he loves these people at Philippi. He loves the church. He loves them. He tries to love them the way Jesus loves them. He longs for them. And look here what he says in verse nine. This I pray this I pray. Paul, he's praying for those that he loves. Let's look at this prayer. Let's unpack this and see what he prays for them for. First of all, he prays that their love may abound yet more and more. He wants their love to be like his love and to be like Christ's love. He wants them to love one another. He wants them to love God and to love one another. Now, notice these two, these two phrases that he uses, in knowledge and in all judgment. What is this referring to? Well, he wants them to love, absolutely. But this first phrase, in knowledge, is he wants them to have an intelligent affection. He doesn't just want them to go around telling everybody, I love you, I love you, I love you. He wants them to intelligently, in their mind and in their heart, know and believe that he loves them and that they love Others, that they should love God and they should love one another. Isn't that amazing that that is what Matthew 22 speaks of as being the two greatest commandments? The first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And the second, which is like unto it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. We should love God and love others. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is praying that this church at Philippi, because he loves them, he wants their love to abound more and more in knowledge. That's an intelligent knowledge. He wants them to know that they are loving someone. He wants them to to recognize it. He wants it to be sincere and serious because that's what God commands of us. But not only does he want it to be an intelligent affection, but he wants it to be a discerning affection, a discerning affection. Notice the words here, and in all judgment. It's his discernment. He wants them, basically, if I can use a, a colloquial term here, he wants them to love, but don't be gullible. It's easy sometimes to be blinded by love. It's easy to look at the world and and the friend and the friends that we have in this world and love them but not have discernment. It, oftentimes when when teenagers or or whatever when they they fall in love, they they put those blinders on. And now I want to be careful because we all are we can, we can all fall into that. We can put those blinders on. That's why it's important to have godly counsel and those that are on the outside looking in that look from a perspective of the word of God, but we notice that, that their love, it should be discerning. It basically is going to protect them from being gullible and from falling into associations that they ought not fall into. But we see that he prays for this and that he prays that they may approve things. Basically, this is the same word that's often used when referencing trying things in a furnace trying metals and, and burning the, the, the bad things away and what's left is good. He, he wants them to try those things. He wants to approve those things that they love so that they love the most excellent things in the most excellent way. And then he says that ye may be sincere and without offense. This is a way of saying not to be a stumbling block. He wants them to love and he prays that they not fall into temptation until the day of Christ. Basically, he wants them to be perfect until Jesus Christ comes. What a prayer. Lastly, we see that he, in verse 11, he prays that they be filled with the fruits of righteousness. The, filled with the fruits of righteousness. Galatians chapter number 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And, and Paul is praying that they be filled with these things. We should pray the same for ourselves and for those that we love. But we see here as we end today, he says to be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. That's the source. You can't get these fruits of the Spirit, these fruits of righteousness anywhere else except from Jesus Christ. And we see the purpose unto the glory and praise of God. We should be filled with the praise, filled with the righteousness of the fruit of God so that we can give glory and praise to God. Not for ourselves, not to toot our own horn, but to toot his horn. That should be our desire. This is what Paul is praying for the church at Philippi. He gives them his desire and he gives them his prayer. Friend, today I encourage you, love others the way that Christ loves you. And love others the way that Christ loves them as well. It's important that we love one another. We should desire it. And those that we love, we should pray for them, that they may be, that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and in judgment, that they may approve things and that they may be sincere and without offense and that they be filled with the fruits of righteousness. I pray today has been a blessing to you and I hope that you have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week and we look forward to being with you again in the future. Have a great day.